Hey there, this is Emily Hoover, and we are so glad that you are listening to the Mission Point Community Church podcast. It's our prayer that this helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to show and share the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into the message. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so thrilled to be with you today. We have something really awesome, and uh, three people from our church family are going to share you know, obviously it's kind of the Thanksgiving weekend, but we're going to really focus on how God works in our lives. And you're going to hear some, some amazing stuff. I'm so grateful. And I have been given the opportunity to take just a few minutes and open the Word and share some things from the Word of God. So I'm going to just jump right into that. And um, I want to talk to you this morning about how He works in our lives. I love I love our worship time and even some of the messages of the songs that we've been singing about how present he is. Some of you know this verse. Maybe you're one of those people that kind of over the years has memorized some, some verses in Scripture. I highly recommend it. I remember one of the very first verses I memorized, I came to Christ during college, was, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow. That is such a powerful verse because if you need the Word of God, you don't always have to you know, try to figure out where that verse is. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. And so I just want to, I'm such an advocate of hiding God's Word in your mind, which then trickles down into your heart. Because guess what the Holy Spirit uses a lot? That truth that is in you, that you have come to know and understand. Anyway, here's the verse. Apostle Paul wrote, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you, the good work I believe very clearly is referring to if you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have confessed your, confessed your sin to him, he's forgiven you. He has given you eternal life through him, and you have a place in heaven reserved. He who began a good work, the good work initially is our salvation. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ that was birthed. But notice it talks about the journey. We'll bring it to completion. My friends, what that means, this is so incredible, is that God will constantly be at work in your life. God will constantly be moving you, kind of like a current, wanting to move you toward becoming who Jesus Christ wants you to be. It's there. Now, I've found in my life, maybe you have too, that there are times that I really embrace that. There are times that I am sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to understand that he's directing me, he's prompting me, he's convicting me, he's working in my life, and I'm attentive to it. I'm understanding what's going on, and I'm listening to him. And there are other times you and I can be resistant to it, we can be apathetic toward it, we can be distracted to pursue all kinds of other things that aren't, at the end of the day, his ultimate purpose for your life, right? Very, very true. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's your journey with Jesus. 
That's your journey with Jesus. There's another verse, it's actually two verses, that to me are kind of cousins to Philippians 1.6. They, they bring even a little bit more insight about this God working in our lives, this journey that we're on. Some of you know these verses as well. Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, and I really think 29 needs to go with 28 when you read these verses, I do. Here's what they say. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I got three quick observations I want to share with you. These two verses are, can be almost life-changing if you really allow the Spirit of God to, to let them soak into your heart. They really can. Number one is this, God is always working. God is always working. That's what it says. You know, we sing this song, one of my favorite songs we sing here. It's sung all over the world, actually. It's called Waymaker. And you know that part of the song where it says, even when I don't see it, you're working? Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's awesome. That is incredible. God is at work in our lives. He is. And I, I love that song because it's so biblically right on. These are such powerful words. And again, God is always at work in our lives. This is what we're told in Romans 8. 28 and 29, he is at work. He is working. And I just ask again, are we listening? Are we paying attention? Maybe the most important and common way God speaks to me is right here, <laughs> right here. He speaks to us through his word. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? God is always at work in your life what we're told. Let me give you another observation. Number two is the purpose of his work is for our good. Back to Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The purpose of his work is for our good. Now, this verse is not saying Every circumstance in life, every situation you're in, everything that happens, even the blind sides of life are not in and of themselves good. They don't feel good. Sometimes they feel horrible. And that's why it's so important to understand that God in all things works for the good, toward the good is the idea. Another translation, I love this one, God works all things together for our good. One of the analogies, one of the illustrations that I tend to think about often in my own life and how this journey with Jesus works is think of a really big jigsaw puzzle, okay? And uh, let's say you, you get a 500-piece, that's a big one, right? A 500-piece, a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, you dump it out, and then somebody steals the cover of the box, like, no picture, 
Because that's what you use. You prop that up, and that's what's so helpful, right? Let's say that that's, that doesn't exist. Okay, let's go to putting together the jigsaw puzzle. Now, what happens is you start to put things together. Some of you are so good at this. I am so impatient with puzzles. I can't do them. Some of you are so good with these. And you just start looking at these pieces. Does it fit? Nope. Does it fit? Nope. And you're, you're getting through it. You're making some progress, but you still don't really know what the picture is. That's kind of how life is. In fact, sometimes you take a piece and you know because of the color of that piece, it's got to go in that spot and it doesn't fit. Have you ever been tempted to get some scissors? We're going to make this fit, you know, we're going to cut this piece off. That's life, my friends. That's our lives and to such a degree. It's like, God, I'm living my life. I thought things were going well, then bam, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit my plan. That doesn't fit where I was going. That doesn't fit what I thought you tell, told me I was going to be doing. It doesn't fit. And then sometimes we look at the very unfinished puzzle, try to figure out what the picture is, and we don't get it. Guess what? He's still at work, and he is working all those things together for good, for your good. And you're like, really? Doesn't feel that way. That's because every piece is not in and of itself good. Sometimes there is incredible hardship and pain and suffering. But God has this plan. God has this purpose. That's what the Apostle Paul is reminding us. You know, I'll say this. I'm going to share with some of my more mature brethren here in town. Let's say, not that 50 is old. I didn't say old. I guess I just said old. Okay, but 50s, 60s, 70s, haven't seen the 70s yet. I'm in that 60s category. One of the most amazing things, I gave my life to Christ just before I turned 19. I was at college. I was at a college that got beat in an important football game yesterday. That's all I'm going to say about it. And I've known Jesus for 48 years. I've walked with Jesus for 48 years. Mind-blowing to me to think about that. And here's what you get to do when you're in that mature category of life. You got a story you can look back on. It's so awesome. I journaled daily for almost 30 years. That was just an important part of my quiet time. Just now I do this, you know, because they do it online, on, you know, on my iPad. But I can look back at what God has done. I can go back five years ago and say, God, you were at work. I had no idea what was going on, and now I see. I can look back 15 years. I can look back 30 years. I can look back 40 years. And you know what I see? And I shared this with my family at, at Thanksgiving as we all shared things we're thankful for. I said, I am thankful for the faithfulness of God in my life. Incredible. I had no idea what was going on, and he was right there. And now I get to look back on many of those things and just see what he was doing and get to experience the beauty of his plan that he was working out when I was clueless and fearful and angry and all those other emotions. 
He works all things together for our good because that's the kind of father he is. That's who he is. So the purpose of his work is for our good. Here's my third observation, and that is his purpose is our conformity to Jesus Christ. Do you see how it says it right there? First part of verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I am convinced to my core, the core of my being, as a 40-plus year Christian, that God is so much more in, uh, so much more interested in the person I am becoming than all the things I accomplish. I think God wants us to accomplish things for sure. But when I read this, it's like the purpose, the purpose of, of this of this jigsaw puzzle of life as he's fitting these pieces together is to be like Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the pinnacle. Because that, my friends, is the greatest way we glorify Jesus. It really is. So in my priorities... Are they like the priorities of Jesus? We just did a series on that, Busy Jesus. In my character, am I more and more like Jesus? More kind, more gracious, more forgiving, more humble. Am I more and more like Jesus in my character? And am I more and more like Jesus in how I relate to other people, and I mean everybody. Am I learning to love better, to serve better, to care for better, to relate better to people, just like my Savior? Those to me are kind of the tests of how I'm doing in this journey of becoming more and more like him. And so I love the fact that we have three that are going to come in just a bit, one at a time, and share about he, how he is working. And I think the common theme so often is that he's there, he's present, he loves us, and he's making us more like himself. So I'm going to ask Emily Freed, one of our rock star worship leaders, to come. Thank you, Emily. I'm going to make this a little, I had told them I'd do it, make it shorter. I appreciate that. You are so Thank welcome. Thank you so much. Well, hey, yeah, like he said, uh, my name is Emily, and uh, my husband, Ben, and I have two little boys. So we have a two-year-old and a three-year-old, so our life is literally mass chaos at all times, in the best way, I think. Um, but yeah, so we moved from Florida three years ago, which looking outside, not exactly sure why in this moment, but three years ago, we moved here in the middle of winter. We had no family, no friends, and one-year-old. So I just say that to give some context of where I'm coming from today. And so last year, um, about a year ago today, God really stopped my husband and I in our tracks, and he challenged us and basically laid on our heart that we were doing life alone and that if we were going to raise 
our boys and the type of culture that they're going to be raised in, which is looking pretty tumultuous and pretty crazy, that it was time that we stopped doing things alone and that it was time that we started getting rooted and established in God's word and in his church. And so, to be honest, begrudgingly, I was like, okay, fine. I guess we'll give it another shot because I was burnt. I was hurt. I was tired. I just didn't feel like it to be completely transparent. And so somebody from Ben's work had invited us. And so Mission Point was kind of our last ditch effort. And so we walked through these doors and we knew immediately that this is where God wanted us for what he was calling us to in this next season. And so flash forward to January of this year, we'd been going about a month and God grabbed a hold of our hearts again and said, I love that you're comfortable, but I think it's time that you get off the sidelines. I think it's time that you heal from your hurt. And I think it's time that you get involved in what I'm doing in this church. Do you trust me enough to get out of your comfort zone and see what I can do in your life? And so we looked at each other and we're like, okay, let's do this. We didn't really know what that looked like, right? But our first step was we went to Discover MP, and then we just started saying yes to things. So we went to the women's breakfast. We went to, he went to the men's breakfast. We got involved in serving. And one thing led to another. And so, you know, honestly, the hardest yes <laughs> was attending consistently on Sundays. I don't know about you guys, but there are some, mon- or some Sundays where I wake up and I'm like, rather not. And maybe, actually, I know I'm not the only one with kids <laughs> that sometimes you have like a full-on battle before eight in the morning, let alone getting them out the door for church, semi-fully dressed, with a smile on your face, ready to praise God, right? So those were the mornings when it was really hard, but we were constantly trying to be obedient to what God called us to. And every single time we said yes, he met us there. And he was so faithful to speak to us and to our hearts. And honestly, he really started strengthening our marriage. We had had a good marriage, but we started to apply the things that we were learning and talk about them throughout the week. And it just brought so much unity to our home and to our parenting and to our marriage that we didn't even know that we needed. And then he really grew us individually. When Pastor Michael was speaking this summer and talked about the macro, micro, and nano communities, we were like, okay, well, we're not really meeting with anybody weekly. So we sought out peers and started meeting with them weekly and asked them what God was doing in their lives and in their families. And it was really inspiring and challenging and also really cool to hear other people's perspectives on what God was doing. And then uh, God also placed in my heart to reach out to a mentor. So I literally went up to this woman that I barely knew and I was like, hi, would you mentor me? (laughs) And she was like, sure, yeah, through a lot of prayer. And so I've been meeting with her in her home weekly and that has been sharpening me and growing me in ways that, whoo, God has just gotten a hold of my heart in a really special and new way. And so all of those things, I say that to say that we were super alone, right? We had no family and no friends. And simply by showing up to things and saying yes to things and being obedient to what God was calling us to, he met us. And so many people from this church have now become our friends and our family. And so about two weeks ago, um, my son, my three-year-old, was diagnosed with late-stage Lyme disease. And so naturally, we were a little frazzled and rocked and didn't really know all that that entailed. And so I texted uh, Pastor Kyle and his wife, and I just said, hey, I'm really struggling. Would you just be praying and believing for this for our family? And let me just say, 
I've been attending churches my whole life, and I have never, and my husband would agree to this, we have never been met with so much authenticity and love and care than we have in this season the past two weeks. I mean, the staff and, and the volunteers and people have texted us, called us, sent us cards, rallied around us. They have met us backstage and prayed over our son. And I just can't help but feel like God is just showing us what obedience does. It brings people around you when you feel alone. And it brings family around you when you need it the most. And so maybe you're out there and you're, you've got one foot in, one foot out, right? You come, you're happy, that's great. I would just, or maybe you're out there and you're like, I don't really know about any of this. I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't really want to pardon it. I just hope that my story encourages you this morning to take that step, to get off the sidelines and to get involved and to just start saying yes to things that God is calling you to through this church. And I promise that he is faithful to meet you where you are and in what you need because he's so just amazing like that. And every single yes that we've said here, he has met us with so much abundant blessing. Emily, we are so thrilled that you and your family have called Mission Point home. Well, good morning. My name is Kirsten. I am our mission coordinator here, and I am here with Emily Watson. Emily and her husband and her two girls attend here at Mission Point Um, They're part of our family, and um, Emily is an orthodontist in town and oversees um, her practice here. And and through that and getting to know her her, her here at Mission Point, we've got to talk a lot about um, our lives. And just recently, I got to hear a pretty cool story about her history and where her family has come from. So Emily, could you share that with us this morning? Sure. Um, So the truth is, you know, I say pretty frequently at work, Um, The chances that I get to stand in front of my team every week and even in front of you today um, wouldn't be possible unless it was for God. Um, So my heritage is I'm a first-generation American, so I was the first in my family to be born in the U.S., um, and I'm Cambodian and Chinese. And my parents immigrated from Cambodia in 1979. So just to give a little history, in 1970, a civil war broke out in Cambodia, and my parents would have been just 16 and 11 at the time. And growing up, my mom always told me how disappointed she was that she couldn't go to school after elementary school. And she told me about dugout shelters that they would have to stay in because they could hear bombs going off overhead. And um, I did a little reading, and I read that during that time, President Nixon had a secret bombing campaign as part of the Vietnam War, and the U.S. dropped 500,000 tons of bombs on Cambodia, which is three times the amount that was dropped on Japan during World War II. Half a million Cambodians died during the Civil War, and after this time, starting in 1975, a dictator named Pol Pot Um, took control of Cambodia from 1975 to 1979. And during that time, one and a half to two million Cambodians died of starvation, execution, disease, or overwork. Um, My mom's dad actually died of starvation during this time. And part of the dictator's regime, um, all belongings were taken from everyone. So people were forced to leave their homes, everything that they owned, And my parents were separated from their families because um, it was called the Khmer Rouge. They took kids and teenagers away from their families to be trained um, to join the military. 
So people that had any type of education, doctors, um, you know, teachers, religious teachers, they were killed. And everyone was forced to work in rice fields. So they rationed food. And my mom remembers, you know, having to eat runny rice that had maggots in it. And she got really sick at one point, and she didn't think she was going to make it. So in um, Asia, the main religion is Buddhism. And my mom said that she would pray, you know, whatever God saved her from that life is who she would follow. So at some point, my parents did escape the groups that they were in, and they found their parents again. And they had an arranged marriage at the end of a night of working in the rice fields all day. Man, so a lot was happening, and shortly after your parents were married, they had a guide who took them through to a refugee camp. They had to, the guy, this guy knew where all the minefields were, so they traveled through, got safely to a refugee camp, and then what happened next? So my parents stayed at the refugee camp for about two years, and there was a church in Bern, Indiana, that sponsored my family to the United States. So my parents arrived in the U.S. not speaking any English, and it was the first Mennonite church in Bern that really showed up for my family. So they came, and there was a house for my family to stay in, and every Sunday, um, a man named David Chu, who was going through seminary school at the time, um, he spoke Chinese, and he translated the sermons um, every Sunday for my family. And during the week, members of the church would drive my parents to and from Fort Wayne for English lessons, and eventually they helped them get jobs in the factory and at a local grocery store. So eventually my family moved to Fort Wayne, and my mom made sure that we went to church every Sunday. Um, and every year we would go back at least once a year to visit the um, friends in Bern that they'd made. And um, they remained really close to the people there. And I remember asking one of the ladies, Iona, you know, how was it that they came to sponsor my family? And um, she said they were watching on the news and felt called um, to help. So that's how they came over. So I love that your mom was willing to pray the prayer and give up her own God, what she was used to with Buddhism, to say, is there another God? And then a family in Bern said yes, welcomed them in. And then our God, that we know is true to rescue and to step in, did for your family. And I know that has great impacts on you even now. So what are, Emily and I were texting recently about generosity and our motivation and, you know, just brainstorming together. And that's how I got to learn about the story. So how does, you know, this story impact um, how you live out your faith today? Yeah, so I told Kirsten, you know, I really give out of gratitude because, Again, you know, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you without God working in my family's life. And, you know, he called a group of people in the church to fill a need. And, you know, my family was lucky enough to be one of the families that was chosen to come here. So I grew up with my parents being thankful that they got to work seven days a week at our donut shop, not that they had to. And they were thankful for the freedom we have in the United States and all of the opportunity here. Um, and I'm thankful that God, you know, answered my mom's prayer and delivered her from war and starvation. So a verse that kind of plays over and over in my head is Luke 12:48, and that is, to whom much is given, much will be required. So I really feel a responsibility to give to our community and my family 
my staff, our church, you know, really whoever God puts me in contact with because he's blessed our family um, beyond their wildest dreams. So when I get that opportunity to help, you know, I always ask myself, can you help? And the answer always is yes, I can. And it truly is always yes. I love the story of how our family stepped into the donut business. We're good stewards of that. Did excel, like We're doing that excellently as Christians. And now we get to see the next generation of Emily leading a business and practicing with excellence and honoring Jesus in that. I see her saying yes when if you, you know, watch her Instagram, they're always celebrating someone's birthday and then their engagement, and then their wedding. I'm like, what do you not celebrate in that office? Being the light to those who work for her. She mobilizes them to care for community needs. She'll ask me or someone from the office will ask, what are the needs of the community and how can we step into that? She has read to classrooms at Lincoln. Um, I could continue to share all the ways, but what I love is that that's looking at the lineage of different people who have said yes along the way. And now we get to see how Emily is saying yes in some of those different ways. So we praise God for your family and where you are now. So thanks, Emily, for sharing. Thanks, Kirsten. Yes. And Dennis Judy will share now. Well, good morning. Uh, many of you may know me, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here at Mission Point, and I love uh, being able to do that. Um, a lot of my life has been spent in full-time ministry positions. Um, I am a seminary graduate, I am an ordained pastor, and I'm standing with a microphone and no notes, so be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, God showed me something about a year ago um, that just knocked my legs out from under me. Um, like I said, I've been involved in full-time ministries um, over the years, and most of those I've been moved into, and I don't know why God chose me to do this, but I've been moved into to improve uh, what has been there. And uh, my wife and I spent 15 years in Christian camping ministry. And I love that ministry. It was a great place to raise our three daughters. It was a, a good place to get connected into this community. And I loved it. I loved um, repairing the buildings and, and improving the program and, and doing all the stuff to draw more people into that facility. I spent nine years in pastoral ministry as a, as a pastor of Christian education and loved revamping that. And now I get to serve in the ministry of Habitat for Humanity as the construction manager and get to build houses every day. And I love doing that. But a year ago, I got the news that the camp that we had poured 15 years of our heart and soul into that we had worked and watched and, and were starting to set record attendance and the budget was in the black every year and all the, the cool positive things that we were doing in that ministry, the powers that be had decided that the camping program has dropped off enough that they were closing that facility and going to sell the property. And I got to be honest with you, I was ticked. I was mad because I felt like I'd worked so hard doing what I felt God was, was showing me and telling me to do into that ministry, and now they're just going to walk away from it and not do anything about it. And I, I, I studied over that, and I prayed over that, and I, I argued over that. And through the last year, life still happens. Things still go on. And... I, if you know me at all, I have a very weird mind. Um, I, I do things 
that are not ordinary, okay? And one of the things that I do in my morning quiet time, I like to have my, my quiet time outside. I have a deck on the backside of my house, and I like to go out and sit at the table and have a cup of coffee. And I like to picture God himself sitting on the other side of the table with a cup of black coffee, because black is the way that God meant that to be. And um, we sit and we just chat and we talk. And after I got the news on the camp and, and other life happens, I was sitting there looking at God, drinking coffee, and I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. And I just said, why? Why? Why do things change? Why do things fall apart? Why, after I felt that I followed you faithfully and done everything that you've asked me to do, why is it not there anymore? Why does it, why is the literally thousands of kids of camp, what are they going to do now that, that they don't have a place to go? Why is it when you have aging parents and you take them to the doctor and the doctor says do A, B, and C and they look at the doctor and say, sure, I'll do that. And then they go home and they plant themselves in a recliner and they watch the next six or eight hours of Walker, Texas Ranger reruns on TV and don't do anything that the doctors ask them to do. Why is it when I'm building two houses for Habitat this year and I was called in to build faster for that organization and we get going, we're on a schedule, it looks good and then things start falling apart and subcontractors don't show up and my service suppliers don't show up and the materials that I've ordered don't show up. Why does all of this happen? I pray about it, I ask for guidance for it, I really feel that I've done what you've asked me to do. Why does this happen? And in my weird mind, I see God just sip on his coffee, and he said, quote me your, fav your favorite scripture verse. I go, what? Quote me your favorite scripture verse. My favorite passage in the Bible is Isaiah 40, verse 8. Does anybody know what that says? It says this. Though the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of our God shall stand forever. And God said, say that again. <sighs> Though the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of our God shall stand forever. And I felt God tug on my heart a little bit. He goes, do you know what that means? And I said, I'm sure you're going to explain it to me. And he said, you need to understand that there is not one thing on this planet that is going to last forever. It just doesn't. You did a good job. You did what I wanted you to do. You worked hard at it. You were faithful at it. But nothing lasts forever. And this verse also says that my word, my promises, the things that I've laid in front of you will last forever. That means when you ask me for wisdom, I will give it to you. When you ask for guidance, I will give it to you. When you ask for peace, when you ask for an increase of your faith, when you ask for persistence, when you ask for clarity, I will give you all that stuff. It tells you that I will never leave you. I'll never turn my back on you. I will never walk away from you. It promises you that when, when you ask me for forgiveness, I will give that to you. I go, you're right. 
And there was a peace <laughs> that just came. Still a little frustrated. Still a little hurt. But there was more understanding than confusion. And in my weird mind again, I see God leaning back and taking a sip of that coffee. And he goes, don't worry, Dennis. I've got this. Thank you. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for our good, for our conformity to the very image of Jesus Christ. He's at work in you. I want to ask you to pray with me, and let's just talk to him a little bit about that. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for these testimonies just the, the obvious way your hand was on our two sisters in Christ, our brother. And you do the same thing with us. Lord, help us to be more attentive, more in tune, more intentional about learning to listen, more um, able to sense when your spirit is prompting. Father, I pray that every single one of us would understand that you are at work in us. You didn't say us, save us and then say, I'll see you in heaven. We're on a journey with you, Jesus. Thank you. For each one of us, how's that journey going? If you take a, a bit of a step back and look at the last year, last six months, last month, has there been more frustration than there has been drawing close to him? Has there been more confusion, and there certainly is at times, than just simply saying to him, I trust you, my faithful God. Let's just take a few, few moments and talk to him in our, in our hearts and our minds. Maybe telling him that you need to trust him and you want to trust him more. You are an amazing father to us. And you love us because we are your beloved children. Help us to walk in obedience. Help us to pursue you with our whole hearts. And please make us more like Jesus that he would be honored and glorified through our lives. We pray in his name.
Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. We hope to see you next Sunday. We would love to personally invite you to one of our services at 9 and 1045 a.m. in the Performing Arts Center in Warsaw Community High School at One Tiger Lane in Warsaw, Indiana. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, review, and connect with us on social media by following Mission Point CC. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Mission Point. Simply visit missionpoint.net slash give and give a gift today. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.